0: You are Locked on Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: The Chicago Bears are in a strange and fascinating spot as we start to look ahead a little bit to what the future will hold after the end of this season. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by Pepsi. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch in this strange COVID-19 season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. On the show today, we'll be joined by Pro Football Focus salary cap consultant Brad Spielberger, who's going to join us not so much to talk salary cap, but to talk Chicago Bears. We'll take a look at where the Bears stand right now and what we can expect out of this winning streak wrapping up the season to go into the potential playoff run, whether or not this success is sustainable, and how this kind of affects their offseason plans moving forward, including the future of Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, and Matt Nagy. He's been on the show a few times before. We always have some really, I think, insightful and entertaining conversations. And we hit at some really interesting storylines that are coming up on the horizon here for your Chicago Bears. So joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is Brad Spielberger. He is a salary cap consultant for Pro Football Focus, well known for his contributions over at OverTheCap.com. He's on Twitter at PFFBrad, and he keeps a close eye on these Chicago Bears as well. And I guess, Brad, to start, uh, you know, it's, it's another week in the season where we, we've gone back to PFF hates the Chicago Bears. So uh, how, how have you been managing that?
0: Yeah, you know it's it's another another week in the existence, I suppose. But uh, I think you know after the Josh Allen saga, you know it, it was only time before it cir- we circled the wagons back to uh, Mitchell Trubisky, I suppose. Yeah, Bill's pun intended there with with circle the wagons. <laughs> but
1: that's you know that's kind of been the the interesting thing here with Trubisky, right? And, Of course, that's that's what I want to focus on today is that we have seen this Bears offense as a whole play significantly better in terms of putting points on the board, moving the ball more consistently. Obviously, the running game, a big part of that. And it it challenges a lot of the criticism that we've had for this team throughout the season of a combination of Mitch Trubisky hasn't been good enough for the last three or four years and Matt Nagy has had challenges, limitations, and question marks for the last at least two years 2018 notwithstanding so i guess how how have you sort of navigated the success where, you know where do you give the bears the most credit at least offensively for the progress that they seem to have made here
0: you know this season's interesting cuz it's i'm not sure i've ever seen such a streaky year for a team where you know you go 5 and 1 then drop 6 straight now of course back on a, a heater probably you know likely going to win again i shouldn't say probably we obviously saw what happened this past weekend but you know, I, I got yelled at and got in trouble for saying and for continually pointing out that the lesser competition, but I'll play devil's advocate with myself, that, yes, the competition was was not great with the Lions and Texans, um, but the offense wasn't just getting by. Like, they were actually moving the ball well, moving the ball consistently, sustaining drives, um, you know, showing that they had maybe maybe a formula they can fall back on with, with some outside zone, and they had, you know, this quote-unquote identity that we've discussed for so long. So – I do think some of that is very real. You know, they're not scoring 20 points against these bad defenses. They're putting up the 30s. You know, they're doing what we hope to see. Um, but you do then kind of bring the context back into it. You know, they are games against teams that are kind of out of the conversation. Of course, the Bears are now in the playoff picture, but you know, the Lions aren't, the Texans aren't, um, haven't been for, for a while, uh, both decimated with injuries. So it's, I, I'm not trying to just say this is only happening because of the situation. That's not the case, but it's, it's largely reliant on that. And then we're just seeing solid execution, which is still something to be excited about. I think you should be excited. The offensive line with Mustapher now at center, white-haired left guard, you know, is executing. Uh, looks like they know where they're supposed to be. Uh, Trubisky's making, even if it's the plays are simple, hey, he's still making the correct read. Even if it's a, you know, a two-read play, he's making the correct read. Uh, so, stuff like that. So, it, it comes, comes back to, like, yeah, are they running a 1-on-1 offense? Maybe, but there was a point where we weren't even confident they could run a 1-on-1 offense cleanly. So, at least we're getting that now. Do you feel, even yet, like we can trust them? I mean, it feels
1: like they're the weird team where... There's been multiple times within the same season where we still don't know if they're good, right? It seems like most years, you get like halfway through the season and you wonder, is somebody a pretender or a contender? And we thought we figured out already that the Bears were pretenders, but now they're starting to look a little bit more like contenders. And I guess we see even like the Pittsburgh Steelers falling apart late in the season like this. It does happen, but like, I I don't know, given the, the quality of opponents, albeit the Vikings a little bit of a step up from Houston and Detroit, I guess, what is your level of confidence in, in some of the sustainability of this, given the offensive line is playing better regardless of opponent? The running game seems to be working a little bit better. You guys are executing, like you said. Does Do you have any confidence in that extending beyond defenses like the Jacksonville Jaguars?
0: Yeah, you know, if you want to look at, like, okay, let's just look at the playoffs. Let's say they sneak in, like, do you think they could win, you know, that's kind of the question, right? Like, do you think they could win one or maybe multiple playoff games? And what I said like coming into the year and, and early in the season was was I realized like if you look at the top of the NFC, you know, Seattle, Green Bay, um, they don't have the best defenses. The Saints do, yes, but obviously they're they're kind of in, in you know in a state of flux right now. But my, my thing always was if the Bears are gonna get in and, and maybe you know get a win, it's gonna be there's gonna the other defense is gonna be so bad, like a Seattle, where you know, Trubisky, maybe at the time I was thinking Foles, but whatever, is able to do enough. And then the defense, you know, frustrates Russell Wilson enough that that's how you pull out a win. But unfortunately, you know, at the same time as the offense is rising, you know, I think we're seeing the defense is just it's still good. No question. Um, But it's not bulletproof like it had been at times. Um, And now I'm not sure if it's so good that it can basically mask the offensive deficiencies like, like I once believed.
1: Yeah, it's one of the many kind of conflicting dynamics with this Bears team we've seen late in the season, and there's a whole lot more we need to unpack from both sides of the ball as we continue with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus next on Locked On Bears. With the new year right around the corner, now is the time to start striving toward your health goals and add built Bars into your diet. Built Bars are simply the best-tasting protein bars ever made. I have not had a flavor that isn't incredibly delicious. They've got 18 of them up to this point, point. I've tried most of them, but my favorites for sure are Caramel Brownie. That chocolate-caramel flavor mix is just perfect. Cookies and cream, absolutely delicious, and I'm a sucker for a good coconut protein bar as well. But all of them are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They taste like candy bars, but they only have 4 grams of sugar, only 130 calories, and they're loaded up with 17 grams of protein. You can't find something this good tasting and this good for you anywhere else. You got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. As you might expect, the Bears are big favorites heading into Jacksonville this weekend. Right now, the spread on betonline.ag has Bears minus nine, but it looks like a lot of the money is still going on Jacksonville, so a good opportunity to get in on the action there if you think the Bears are going to be able to win by a two-possession-type final score. And if you want to get in some action on this game, betonline.ag is the place to do it. It's the one place that has you covered and the number one place we trust. BetOnline already has odds up for Bears-Packers Week 17 with the Bears right now as five-and-a-half-point underdogs. But depending on how things go this week, the Packers might not have much to play for, and that number could swing drastically. So you can still get on the action early. Get in on it now. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use our promo code Locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The Bears are in kind of a weird place right now where we have these real questions about the defense and maybe less so about the offense, even though, you know, recent history would tell us the opposite should be true and that. Whatever negative we're seeing from the defense should regress back to better quality, and perhaps the offense is eventually going to regress back to lower quality. And yet, it, it feels like I don't know it, it, when you're when you're talking about two games left in the regular season and maybe a one game, well, at least one game at a time playoff sample size. Is is there an is there enough here to feel like anything can happen? I mean, is is I, yeah? I mean, like is is this too small of a sample size to be able to Count on any sort of regression in either direction.
0: That's a great question. I, I mean, in my opinion, I think that you wouldn't want to use the sample size to to make a prediction about going forward, maybe like in 2021 or something like that. But they do kind of strike you as one of those teams, you know, that kind of sneaks in as a nine and seven team that's, like, not really, like, great at any spot, but, like, has a lot of good play. I mean, there are great, you know, Kula Mackey, makes sure. But like, but, like, really, like, high floor in a lot of spots, like, just not a ton of weaknesses, and maybe they can just get hot at the right time. Um, but in terms of, like, am I going to take basically starting with the Detroit game all the way through, let's say they play a playoff game, like, am I going to take that, you know, five-game, six-game sample and really draw any conclusions long-term based off it? Probably not. Um, It would take a a great playoff performance, or it would take Week 17 with the Packers having something to play for, playing their starters, and you finally exercise that demon and and look good. But, no, if they get in the playoffs because they beat the Lions, Jaguars, a decimated Vikings team, and the Jaguars, and then maybe get in because the Packers rest their starters Week 17, and then they look okay in one playoff game, like I'm not taking anything from that.
1: Yeah, that I think is kind of where this starts to go from, I think, a lot of the social media discussion as far as, like, what's next? And the the team certainly isn't looking anywhere beyond the playoffs yet, and a lot of things still up for grabs over the last few games. But, like, even Ian Rappaport from NFL Network tweeted something along the lines of, Mitch is making himself a lot of money late in this season. Let's start with him, because I think the discussion around Matt Nagy is, is a slightly different one, and it has a little bit more to it. But, in, in terms of Mitch, has any, has any of your opinion changed on him? I mean, not, not, I'm certainly not thinking of coming around and saying, yeah, give him a long-term contract extension. But, like, I guess have you learned anything about Mitch over these last three games or so that maybe, you know, on the right cheap deal he could compete to be a starter, even if it's somewhere else and not in Chicago, as opposed to a guy that really didn't look like he belonged in the starting lineup in the NFL at Portion's last season?
0: You know, I'll be hundred percent honest. Um, not that we can be in the minds of anybody, but I will say yes, and it's probably more so because of how he's handled it. Um, again, just my guess, my, you know, looking you know from the outside in, but kind of how he's handled this whole situation. Um, I've talked about it before. Like I had this kind of this dumb theory about like hitting rock bottom. Um, you know, I used it talking like a Gardner Minshew. It applies like a Jalen Hurts. Guys are basically like quarterback is such a mental position. I mean, we've seen with Carson Wentz, like it almost looks like he has the yips at times. It, like when a guy, you know, like which happened to, you know, Mitch gets benched like that, he's he's 2-0 and at the time. Uh, obviously, you know, probably was going to lose the Falcons game. But anyways, like when that happens and you just kind of – those moments where we all have them maybe just different context, but where you kind of just reevaluate your whole life and, and everything you're doing and if you're doing it right and all that. Like I, I respect and appreciate how he's handled that. Um, I think he's playing pissed off. I think he's finally like – confident enough to, to be more vocal. I mean, he said these things too, but I think he was always, he was saying this for years. And I uh, like, you could probably find him saying this in every press conference, you know, back to his rookie year, but now I believe it. Like now he says it with his <laughs> chest and, and I believe it. Um, so, I mean, that, that goes a long way. Um, I'm still seeing a lot of the same, like mechanical issues, like his pocket presence is still really troubling. Um, I'm trying to always be process over results. And I don't judge Trubisky in particular on you know, quote-unquote analytics and stuff like that. Like, I I used to just implore people on what can I look for to see improvement because I wanted him to become elite, and I still just don't really see it with his footwork, with his, you know, when they do run, you know, a play that isn't play action to, to half of the field. Like, when they do run more complex plays, like, yeah, he's completing some stuff, but his average depth of target is, is still one of the lowest in the league, you know, meaning he's throwing near the line of scrimmage, stuff like that. So I think we're more just seeing a – you know, an offense executing some bread and butter plays, um, you know, less, less variance from, from Nagy or laser, whoever's calling the plays and, and just more of players looking comfortable doing things they're comfortable with. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't see this, like this changed quarterback or the, you know, his play looks the same to me. Is this what we're seeing right now,
1: Mitch Trubisky's ceiling, like in terms of, it feels like. You know, Matt Nagy and Bill Lazer are kind of pulling out all the stops from a scheme standpoint of like, OK, now they're doing everything in their power to support him in terms of moving pockets and shorter concepts and easier reads. Plus, you know, running game in there and so, some talented weapons. I mean, obviously, you can always put better players around him. You can make the offensive line better. You can make the receivers better. But like in terms of what Mitch is doing and what they're getting from Mitch,
0: do you think I mean, can it get much better than this? It's a great question. Uh I mean, I'm never going to speak to something. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I know about a quarterback ceiling and stuff like that. I mean, we obviously have some examples. Uh, You know, everyone loves to point to Tannehill and stuff like that. So, like for all we know, it, it could change. But that, that's kind of you know goes to my last point. The reason why I'm I'm still stuck with where I am is because even if let's say the results were kind of like you know even more inflated. Let's say he truly like went off quote unquote for a couple games like if he was still showing these things, like he still has run out of bounds for a sack a couple times since he came back into the lineup. Um, like he's still doing a lot of these little things where it's just like, if this stuff doesn't go away, then there, it's hard to be optimistic. But um, I guess I didn't even really answer your question. I, I would now, uh, your original question, I would now consider giving him, you know, I don't, I don't know what Mariota's contract was reported in the media, but it's essentially a one year deal for seven and a half million dollars. Like that's what he was given. Um I would say that's absolute maximum you you offer Trubisky. I mean, look, I get Jameis Winston has things outside of football and all that, but the guy threw thirty touchdown passes last year and then signed a deal for one year, one million. Um, and, and the quarterback market is again going to be flooded. So, yes, I'm I, I'm coming around to, you know, realizing there's not a lot of great options and maybe you just you give them a shot to see what happens. Not because you're particularly optimistic, but just because it's it's kind of a desperation play, but. But I still like when I see people talking about transition tag, franchise tag, like I want to rip my hair out. Like, no, like you give this guy like a one year, five million dollar offer, like absolute
1: max. While we're on the quarterbacks real quick, I wanted to confirm with you. It's sort of my understanding that. With the Nick Foles situation, like if the Bears wanted to bring back Mitch Trubisky, it's almost certain that Nick Foles will be back unless he chooses to opt out, correct? With the guaranteed money that's in this restructure, the Bears are pretty much stuck with him unless they traded him to another team for some reason. But more or less, you're expecting Nick Foles to be back in Chicago in some capacity next season. And so then if they brought Trubisky back as well, it would kind of be running it back with the same group.
0: So that's a sticking point for me. So yeah, so I know someone who's who's actually able to see, you know, the actual contract for Nick Foles. Um, he, um, you know, unless something crazy happens, you know, let's say Trubisky gets hurt the first snap against the Jaguars, Foles comes in and and makes the NFC Championship game. Like that would have to happen now, just for him to be able to opt out. Um, so he, you know, he had to hit a bunch of thresholds to do it. It's not going to happen. So an opt out is not coming. And as you mentioned, yeah, they're not going to cut him. I mean, they may they could. It's not. It wouldn't be like unheard of, but it would be kind of a crazy move. Um, and yeah, I doubt anyone's really looking to trade for him, obviously seeing how it, it just went down. So that's where I get stuck too, is that if Foles if Foles maybe was on an expiring deal, then I'm probably even more open to giving Trubisky that Mariota deal. But he's gonna Foles is gonna be there. Send you're gonna have two quarterbacks on like, you know, middling contracts, neither of which you're particularly excited about. Um and that's where it kind of gets troubling.
1: Yeah, definitely, and and why you could kind of imagine when they traded for Foles, envisioning, you know, declining Mitch Trubisky's option, give Foles that contract knowing that you're probably going to draft the rookie quarterback in 2021, Foles will be around to mentor and lead and maybe start while that rookie quarterback gets ready to go, and you can see that maybe Ryan Pace had more of a two-year plan there than just going all in on 2020 as one final desperation move. But for me, that raises some further questions about Matt Nagy and this coaching staff moving forward if it's going to be Foles and maybe not Trubisky next season. Can we trust Matt Nagy after this late season turnaround? We'll debate next on Locked On Bears. Again, we're here with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. And as we kind of look a little bit more so ahead to the future and 2021 and what this Bears regime is going to look like with with Matt Nagy in particular, because like you talked about with Mitch Trubisky, where you're not necessarily going to let these five games or whatever to end the season, you know, six in the playoffs or whatever, totally rewrite the evaluation of the guy based on the much larger sample size we've seen before this. But I think Matt Nagy's sample size is a little bit more interesting in terms of like, Trubisky's kind of been the same guy through and through, but we've seen Nagy have obviously great success in 2018 and a decent start to 2019 and then finished fairly strong over the last five or six games. Some big collapses now in back-to-back seasons, but, like, it's not as though him figuring out offense all of a sudden is something completely different than we've seen the previous few seasons. So, I guess, where, where is your confidence level in, in Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor? Like, is, is this enough, or is it the same kind of thing where it's like, well, they're doing this against bad defenses, so let's see when they have to scheme against a good defensive coach that they might not even face through the rest of the year?
0: I find this dynamic so fascinating, right? Because, because basically Nagy chooses system over player and brings in Foles to run his, you know, eighty percent shotgun RPO based, you know, West Coast offense that goes terribly. Uh, but even still, even in week one, they uh, you know, in the early weeks, they were running not quite the same offense they're running now with Trubisky. But it was – I don't know people like to say that they were not running like any under center in weeks one and two with Mitch. Like they were. They were actually showing some of these principles all the way back to the beginning of the season. But, yeah, so uh, that's the thing. Is right. So just the same with Trubisky. It's the same for them. Like, yes, they're scheming guys open well. But, again, they're playing like some of the wor- – I actually saw today. He has faced – the easiest slate of opposing pass defenses in the NFL. But so that's specifically pass. So I've been really encouraged by the run game, absolutely. Um, it is not the the run system that, you know, again, I know Andy Reid didn't teach everything Matt Nagy's ever known about football. But, you know, Andy Reid runs inside zone. He does not run this wide zone scheme that, that they've been working with. Um, my, my question kind of becomes, is that laser? Is that Castillo? Is that Barone? Like, but at the end of the day, my thing with Nagy is that, even in the middle of a six-game losing streak with with all these question marks flying around and, and contract situations and all that, I mean, the guy does not lose the locker room. Um, and there's so much value in being a good leader and, and keeping things, you know, just just keeping the ship, you know, afloat. So it's good to see his flexibility. It's good to see his adaptability. But it took, like, three years, you know, and like, 40 games for him to actually finally truly adjust. And, and we don't know if that's him or if that's Bill Lazor. So... I'm open to, to considering it because I like the man. I like the leader of men. And he did. He had highlights in 2018. We, we had him as one of the better play callers, um, you know, consistently creating separation for his guys, creating a lot of easy opportunities for the quarterback. Um, but, I yes, in the same way, like, I would need to see, again, I would want to see the offense, you know, functioning at a high level against probably some better competition. What you said there raises a
1: good thought that I hadn't considered that, like, now laser and Nagy have contorted this offense to Mitch Trubisky and it's working, but assuming Mitch Trubisky departs this offseason or, you know, because Foles is coming back and it's going to be kind of challenging for all the reasons you kind of talked about there, they would then sort of have to find a new offensive identity for Nick Foles and kind of switch back but would you be switching back to the offense that went 0-6 you know or, or lost six <laughs> games in a row halfway through the season like are Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy capable and I, I don't know the answer and I don't know if I have a real question to ask you here but I guess what are your thoughts on like yeah, switching back to Foles and, and you know being able to then run that offense successfully or maybe adapt differently to Foles I mean we haven't really had that kind of a scenario for Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor outside of this kind of small sample size
0: yeah, no. So this the brain pretzel that you just entered is is one I've had. Where I, where I consider, okay, if you're bringing Trubisky back, like how do you bring Nagy back? And by that I mean like Nagy tried to to move him aside and and move past the Mitchell Trubisky era. That's what happened. I'm not saying it was malicious. I'm sure they're they're close as people, but like he tried to move on for close the the, the book on that and move on. So now how do you? Bring both back and say, "Oh, never mind." Psych. like, I know, yeah. Nagy now is an expert of the, you know, Kevin Stefanski offense, and he, you know, this is not his identity whatsoever. But he, he's a changed man. He, you know, he's he's seen the light on on this, you know, play action, you know, under center under center offense. So I, I don't know. Um, it's a great question. It, it's fascinating to, to to figure out, and not to say that coaches are you know have to adhere to a certain system, but it, it is what Nagy's comfortable with. So. Yeah, uh, truly a fascinating question. It's, the dynamic is is hard to to like break down. If you, you know which piece stays, which piece leaves. Um, yeah, so if Nagy sticks around, I don't see how you don't go with Foles and then maybe a late round draft pick or maybe you know find hit, find another cheap vet or something. I don't know, but it, it gets weird with like how do you deploy Nagy or who does he deploy at quarterback?
1: Last thing here before I let you go. While we're on the coaching staff. The Chuck Pagano discussion has been interesting given how quickly I think everyone turned on him, at least on Twitter. You know, with the Packers game, the Lions game in particular being the bad opportunities, but even allowing more points and a little bit more easy offense to the Vikings last week than perhaps we've come to expect, do you give any consideration, you know, if Matt Nagy is coming back and Ryan Pace is coming back and they're sort of running it back in, would you give any consideration to a change at defensive coordinator or is, is that too much of an overreaction to what we've seen in the last four games compared to the previous season and a half?
0: Yeah, there, there's no question been some troubling moments and particularly you know, some moments where you think, again, like like, why isn't Pagano deploying people in this way? You know, he doesn't need to bring Mack on a rush every single snap. I'm not – like, I know – I'm sure even I've complained when he drops in coverage. But, like, sometimes your outside linebacker is going to drop in coverage. But, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's it's strange because I, I, I don't know that he's putting guys in positions to succeed, not just on on the line. Um, I mean, Jalen Johnson's a press man corner. They they, they, they seem like they were letting him play more of that style early in the season. Now it's, it's a lot of cover three zone, and, and he's kind of – He's learning and he's getting better. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player, but uh, I think the, the kind of regression we've seen on defense is because um, you know he's gotten a little bit exposed in coverage, and then the decline of Buster Scrine And so my thing is that I'm not sure I'm concerned as Pagano as I'm concerned as that. Look, like this is what happens when you have you know two holes in your secondary, maybe two and a half. Uh, if you, if you want to say to Sean Gibson's a full, Buster Scrine's a full, or maybe Jalen Johnson's a half. Like. That's what happens. You know, that's why the pass rush isn't getting home because even if quarterbacks are getting – even if they're not getting the ball out quick, excuse me, um, you know, they know that guys are going to get open or, or they're seeing things open up um, just because, yeah, it's it's not as stout of a coverage unit as it's been in years past. So I don't know how much of that's Pagano and how much of that is just personnel. Um, frankly, I, I don't. But I think it's fair to question, and I think it's fair to, to consider – Maybe that, you know, the game has passed him by a little bit, um, you know, appreciate the opportunity you know, coming in, attacking this window. We had the opportunity we had together, uh, but maybe going forward, we're going to look to kind of shake things up, um, go for a younger guy. I mean, obviously, Brandon Staley, the former Bears outside linebackers coach, is, is this like defensive coordinator savant in, in, in Los Angeles now with the Rams. So um, I could see it. I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised by it.
1: So you're in agreement to uh, promote defensive line coach Jay Rogers to defensive coordinator lock it in. I mean, come on. <laughs> Great. Well, Brad, I really appreciate you taking the time and joining us. Uh, let everybody know one more time where they can find your work. And if you got anything uh, in the works there, as far as I know off season is kind of your bread and butter with, you know, contract and free agency and, and trades and draft analysis. I mean, all that above uh, what's in, what's in store for you this year?
0: Yeah, no, thank you for having me on again. Always a good time coming on. Um, next thing coming out, uh, we're going to get it. We're hitting all free agency. As you mentioned, uh, we've already released our top 50 free agents and soon we're going to boost that to a hundred and, and then continue to grow there. So, uh, definitely pivoting to the off season, you know, looking ahead, looking forward, you know, hopefully the bears can make the playoffs and we can push off that conversation as long as possible. But, you know, as soon as their season's over, my season begins and, and, and looking forward to all the stuff we got going on there. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad.
1: Perfect. Well, Brad, appreciate you taking the time, and I'm sure we'll do this again soon, if not at, at the latest, when, whenever Alan Robinson's contract becomes a thing, but I'm sure we'll, we'll find <laughs> an excuse go. before then.
0: Sounds good. Thank you again.
1: Well, thanks again to Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to Locked on Bears on whatever app you're listening on right now, because that's the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Tomorrow's podcast will be crossover Thursday with Tony Wiggins, the host of Locked on Jaguars. He's our local expert on the Bears opponent this week, and he's going to break down everything going on with the Jaguars and The sort of tanking we're seeing from them, and I can already give you a spoiler alert. I think we're going to talk a lot about how the Bears are likely going to beat down on their opponent that's still holding out hope for Trevor Lawrence, and they don't really necessarily want their team to win this game. So we're going to have some fun on that crossover podcast. You're going to want to make sure you don't miss that. There won't be a Friday show for you this week, of course, celebrating the holiday, but we'll be back Monday to break down what almost certainly should be A Chicago Bears win and I say almost certainly only because we saw the Jets win over the Rams this weekend as well as the Bengals beating the Steelers so anything is possible anything can happen but we'll make sure we find out exactly what's going on in Jacksonville on tomorrow's show and we'll show Tony and Duval Nation how you bear down